progress came and took its toll and in the name of flood control they made their plans and they drained the land now the glades are going dry and the last time i walked in the swamp i sat up on a cypress stump i listened close and i heard the ghost of osceola cry The opinions expressed on Tomahawk Talk do not reflect that of WVFS Tallahassee. From the highest point on Florida State's campus and the hottest room in Seminole Sports, this is Tomahawk Talk. I'm your host, Luke Fay. Florida State escaped against Louisiana Monroe last Saturday. We'll discuss the results and what it means for the future of the program, along with their upcoming matchup against Virginia. The NFL season started, and it was a poor day to be a fan of teams in the state of Florida. The Jaguars, Bucks, and Dolphins all fell in their season openers. We have much more to talk about revolving around the sporting world. So here we go, and I am joined by my co-host, Gary Putnick, who had a tough day being a Dolphins fan, but I heard that Dolphins are known to be in the tank, so why not tank? Ha, ha, ha. Very funny, Luke. The Dolphins, it's just, I don't want to talk about them anymore. It's It was fun for one day. We had our optimism coming into it, and now everyone wants out. <laughs> are you sure? Uh, the, the reports are that a couple people called their agents and said uh, the time is now. That's why I said I want... everyone wants out. <laughs> would, would you? I mean, if I'm a team player, I'm staying. <laughs> uh, okay. What, whoever the team, pays. The team, the team. Jake knows something about the team, the team, the team. Oh, boy. Well, over <laughs> on my right is Jake Mossing, and uh, speaking of teams that escaped, the Michigan Wolverines escaped Army. That is two years in a row that Army has lost to a Power 5 team in overtime. They lost to Oklahoma last year. Jake, Michigan thoughts? Yeah, there was some speculation before the game started that Army could beat us, but after their first game they didn't look so well, so that speculation kind of went away. But uh, I'm tired of getting let down by Michigan every year. I kind of just get my hopes up. and we They win, are good. We win a couple games, and I get excited, and then we always lose to Ohio State, Penn State, Wisconsin, whoever it is. Each year it's a different team. So um, I kind of expected us to lose to Army. I'm glad we won, and on to the next week. You heard it first, uh, Jake Mossing, not a Patriot. Uh, you know, doesn't like America. Does not support the troops. <laughs> does, does not support the troops. And Gabe Wisniewski, did I get it? Perfect. Perfect. 
and uh, he came in a little bit late with the Eagles uh, in that first half. They struggled mightily, your Eagles. Second half, a little bit of a different story. Do you think that's because of Carson Wentz uh, not playing at all in the preseason? Uh, I think it's just because we wanted to make the Redskins feel good about themselves. Carson Wentz is officially back, 300 passing yards, three touchdowns. The man is out for blood. MVP, write it down right now. Okay. Okay. Yeah, <laughs> all, all right, then. Uh, that's, grain that's, of that's, salt. That's, that's grain of salt. optimism there. It's uh, in the bag. Take it to the bookie. Uh, take it to the bookie. Okay. Yeah, I, I, I like that. I like that. What I didn't like was this Florida State team against Louisiana Monroe. Miles Jordan came on last week and told Monroe was going to cover the spread, and here you're talented. Right. And in the first half, you're just absolutely killing the team. And you come in the second half and don't show up. Do you think this is this is a team that is relying all on their talent and not off of just skill? I don't know what it is. I, or, or I shouldn't even I should even <laughs> say skill. I, I should just say the X's and O's of football. Right. I it's hard to say. I think both Boise State and ULM made a lot of halftime adjustments, and I think FSU made zero. And it shows with the stats. We had zero points against Boise State in the third quarter and zero points against ULM in the third quarter. And I think that's the difference right there. A good thing, though, however, is that we showed some fight at the end of the ULM game. Against Boise State, there was no fight, so that gives me hope for the future. Gabe, what was a positive that you saw uh, from from the defense in the game? Is Was there a positive? I felt like for back-to-back weeks now, we've had a decent pass rush. We've been getting near the quarterback, at least putting some hits on him. But the problem is still in the secondary. We heard from uh, Coach Barnett earlier uh, in the week saying that he was going to go away from zone, focus more on man so that guys don't get lost so often, and yet come out Saturday and we see a ton of zone all day long and we just got picked apart. Gabe, who is the problem on defense? Is it the players or the coaching? I do believe it's more the coaching. When you look at this roster, you see the guys that have been brought in. I mean, we have guys all over the place that are four-star, five-star recruits and it's just not happening out there. And, you know, like I referenced about the man versus zone, if you see there's an issue and you think you can solve it, then you got to start changing up the system. Gary, if it is truly um, not a personnel problem and more of a coaching problem, does it, does it, wouldn't you say it harms more to get rid of Barnett this early in the season than wait till the end of the season? Or, W- would you say that? Yeah, I, I kind of agree with that because if you take a team and you strip them of their coach that they've kind of gotten used to over the year and I guess two games now, it kind of leaves makes them feel kind of lost because then they don't have that leader that was there. And even though he wasn't the greatest, they still had a leader there. And that's also why the, all the wi- fire Willie Taggart kind of conversation has kind of brought me to a different like mood now with it because it's – it's way too early. It's way too early to do that kind of stuff. Would, would you say that it's better it, – it seems like it's in a an odd situation for Florida State that you don't want the players to learn the wrong system. Mm-hmm. But then also, like you said, you don't want the players to to basically be given up on it and thrown in limbo. Yeah, I think – well, I, I think it's also the player's job right now to speak up to their coach and say, hey – we want to have a say in this too so that we can help everyone get better, not only just Barnett making the defense better, but the defense making Barnett better by saying, hey, this is what we like, this is what we want to do, and can we at least get some kind of conversation here? I'm going to ask this to all three panelists uh, real quick. Dontavious Jackson has been a problem for Florida State's defense, uh, just hasn't stepped up. 
and there are a lot of young players, um, some true freshmen, that could get the start, and maybe Willie Taggart is trying to hold them back to get a red shirt. But after seeing what Don Tavis Jackson did to that UOM offensive player where I, I believe he stomped on his face, or it, I, I can't remember the exact uh, thing, but do you believe that that's enough for him and he should be benched uh, either for his play or for those actions? Because in my opinion, that was a suspendable offense. Yeah, I completely agree with you. Um, I think he should be benched. I'm not on the fire Taggart train or fire any of our coaching staff so far, but I think what Taggart and the rest of our coaching staff need to do is put some discipline. I don't see the fire in Taggart. I don't see the fire in our coaching staff. And we had, a, I think, 16 penalties just against ULM. It's ridiculous. And I think that was another big problem last year when, when we didn't even make a bowl game is our penalties. Our team needs to be more disciplined, and I think um, benching Dontavious Jackson will, will show the rest of the players that they're not going to put up with that. Gabe, they, uh, in the today's availability with Taggart, he said that Florida State players who um, who have discipline issues and with, with penalties and on the field, that they're going to sit. And Dontavious Jackson, there's been nothing announced with that. Is he just all talk, talk in, in that regard? Uh, you know, up to this point, he has been all talk. Right now, we come off a year where— Where is the accountability is exactly, what I'm asking. Exactly. There is none. I mean, this is back-to-back years. Like right now, Florida State is ranked 112th in yards per game penalties. And you see plays like, I believe it was in the fourth quarter, had a kickoff, and FSU made the tackle around the 25. And then after the play, they had a little taunting penalty. Why? You know, it's a close game at home against ULM. ULM. These kind of things should not be at. Well, who are you taunting? Yeah, Gary. Is it should at this point, Taggart should be playing the best players on the field, and in my opinion, by him not doing that, the players in the locker room know who the best players are, mm-hmm. and when they see someone who, just because he's older and has been in the program a little bit longer, but is acting out of character, not not playing up to the skills. Wouldn't you say that harms the locker room culture that they that there is no the leadership from what I've seen is what freshman sophomore and some junior mm-hmm. when you when you when you just let those things go is that the problem with this team where they're just gonna keep this culture going on year after year Yeah, it's a huge problem because the younger guys or even the older guys that aren't in leadership they'll look down at those guys or up at those guys and they're like what the heck like. I'm busting my butt over here trying to get better, and he's not doing anything, and he's doing everything wrong, yet he still gets, gets opportu- yeah, opportunities game in and game out. So it kind of dis- it kind of discourages a lot of guys from trying to go out there and make plays because they would think, why do I even need to try because I'm not even going to get the opportunity. Guys, let's dive into the players who have really stood out for Florida State in these first two games, and that's Cam Akers and James mm-hmm. Blackman. James Blackman had an amazing first half. Uh, in both games, second half, not as good. But Cam Akers, in, in the, the entire game, just put the team on, on his back. 36 carries, Gary, for 193 yards and, and two touchdowns. Tiger heard he didn't get the rock enough in game one, and he gave him the rock in game two. Is it, it, what is the difference this year between Cam Akers now and Cam Akers then? Maybe just confidence. Maybe that's all it is. I know he got a lot of playing time his freshman year, obviously, but last year he kind of just wasn't able to break through a lot in too many holes, but he's now punching through a lot of those gaps and trying to force himself into more contact situations. Jake, can you attribute this to a better offensive line or a more focused camp? 
I think it's more focused Cam Akers. I still think our offensive line isn't where it should be, and I think Cam Akers now being an upperclassman and being with the program for a couple years, um, I think he's got a lot more experience under his belt. And he was the one against ULM, like you guys are talking about, who carried us. Without him, I think we really would have lost that game. And another point is that I think when he gets to the NFL, he's going to really take off. This is just speculation. And I think FSU people, fans, are going to say, wow, we really wasted a good player. That is that is a really good point. I, I, I don't know where Cam Akers is going to fall in the regard of running backs, if he's going to go this year. If you're looking at the situation, I, I think, uh, what was it, two years ago, Auden Tate, he left early and people were looking going, well, you know, why would you leave this early? Looking, And he knew the state of the program. I think Cam knows the state of the program. And next year probably isn't going to be a year where you're going to win 10 games. And Derwin James loved Florida State, the school, loved it. The problem was Derwin James knew Florida State wasn't going to be anyone. It was a shame that Florida State got Derwin James in those really the forgotten years of football. Uh, Gabe, what has James Blackman done that's the positive? And give me give me something he needs to improve on other than just saying, you know, second half he's not been that great. I'm on the positive side. I think we've definitely seen him take more of a leadership role. And this is something that he talked a lot about in the offseason, that it was difficult for him sitting and watching last year. But he was ready to step up and actually take control of an offense and you know lead his guys and I think he's done a great job with that as far as improvements I think there's still some uh, issues with how quickly he gets the ball out you see routes that are you know curls and hitches those can't be routes that you watch a guy sit there and then throw it yeah saw a pick six this past weekend because he waited to throw a hitch both picks weren't great picks in my opinion Uh, as good as a pick can really get I don't know if there is such thing as a good pick but they were just sloppy for the most part Mm -hmm. Gary Give me, give me your, give me your reaction on UOM as a team, how they came out and fought. They fought hard. That w- it was impressive to see that because usually those teams, when they get down by a certain amount, they're like, oh, well, let's just give up and go pack our bags and head back to Monroe. But they kept fighting every single time when they got down. They kept trying to make attempts to score, obviously, and they took advantage of Florida State and their miscues with penalties. We we talked to Miles Jordan after the game, and he said that. No matter, even in overtime when I was talking to him on the field, he said, mm-hmm. no matter what happens, this is one of the greatest games in ULM's program history. And the reason why, Gary, is it, what he told me was it proves to them that no matter how big the program is, that if you go out and play and execute correctly, mm-hmm. you have a chance to, to beat a Power 5 team. This is a Sun Belt team that – Anyone in here, does anyone know where Louisiana Monroe is? I found out on no. Saturday night talking <laughs> yeah. with Miles. <laughs> no one no one knows. No one no one knows who this team is, and that's gotta give confidence to a program like that. I I have to give my hats off to, no, to of Louisiana Monroe. You go and look back at, at what they did. Caleb Evans, twenty three of thirty eight, two hundred and forty one yards. It, it it just was it was good. It was really, really good. It was two, impressive to watch. Two touchdowns. Josh Johnson was all he was built up to be. 26 carries for 126 yards. Touchdown. ULM, I was disappointed when they lost because there's there are teams that come out here and there are games that you deserve to win and you deserve to lose. ULM deserved to win that game, and Florida State had no business mm-hmm. winning it at all. And you, you have to feel for the kicker who missed the extra point and everything. But coming out of that game, I kept on telling my friends, you know, uh, you know bad mood, Florida State lost. 
And I kept on having to realize Florida State didn't lose that game, but in the minds of all the fans, they did. Mm-hmm. So, Gary, is it, it – we, we, we said the leash was up with Taggart last, last week and that he's got to prove something. At this point, what can he do that will be a positive to move this program forward? Win games. And he did that. He did that on Saturday night. They won their game. That's all he should really be caring about at this point is that they get out of there with a win because a loss is just one more excuse for him to get fired for these fans and for the ADs. I, I agree, and I want to look I want to look to what happened at the end of the game where last week I asked him why didn't he use his timeouts, mm-hmm. and then he inexplicably uses a timeout with a minute to go on a fourth down where they're punting, giving ULM more time on the clock to come back. And that, that, to me, shows a coach that had no idea what he was doing. Mm-hmm. He, went, he was asked in the press conference what happened following the game. Why did you call that? And he said, well, we didn't want them to block the punt, so we, we, uh, we, we wanted to get the right look. Well, you can get the right look letting the clock wind down. It's not a I, – I, I don't think he knew what was going on. Did he know the downs? I don't even know, but it kind of reminded me – his answer to that was almost the same answer he gave – in the week one press conference when you asked about the timeouts, he said uh, we knew the play and we wanted to just go. And this time he he knew the play, but they wanted to be sure this time. So it was like, okay, wait, did you – sorry, I know it's not the same question yeah. or the same response, but uh, he he kind of like took a step back. It's like, well, you should have reversed those situations. One was the yes. right time for the other. The other was the right time for the other. So it was weird. It He looked – Gary, I'm going to tell you this. Just from, from what I saw in the press conference, he came out. He, it was a whole from going to the game or going from the end of the game, usually you hang around for 10, 15 minutes. Then you, then you go and sit down and wait for him to show up, which usually takes about 10 minutes maybe. Mm-hmm. It was over 20 minutes before he walked into the, into the press conference. Over 20, which is unbelievable. All the reporters are sitting here going, what is going on? And he comes in. I remember saying, I, I said to Lauren next to me, who came in and covered it with us, I said, listen to the sound of his voice. And if his voice is hoarse, that's not, that, you know, that, that goes and shows it. And it wasn't hoarse, which surprised me, but his eyes were glassy. And he truly looked like a defeated man. Like, he knew that even though they didn't win that game, that his time at Florida State, in the eyes of everyone else, was up. And Jake, is it, we're, we aren't going to beat this to death, but... Is it better for Florida State to move on at the end of the season and eat that money? I think it's $17 million, $18 million is his buyout. I really don't think it's best to eat that money yet. Um, if anything, give him one or two more years. I, I really want to I really want to let the season play out and see what Florida State does before we, we officially make, make the decision, but I want to get to the end of the season before we make the call on if he should go or not. Gabe, what defensive adjustment can Florida State make to change the course of this season after uh, historically being bad these first two games? I think they got to look at personnel changes. I mean, you know, you talk about guys that are seniors and juniors and really just staying on the field because they're seniors and juniors. And that just that's not acceptable when the, the uh, defense isn't getting the job done. They're uh, 124th in total defense right now. Something's got to change, and I don't see why we need to keep throwing the same personnel out there. Gary, lastly, give me your final thoughts on this Florida State ULM game, which many said, uh, which many were embarrassed about. I was sort of embarrassed watching it at the end of the game. I didn't. I was in as a fan this week, and I didn't cheer when the field goal was missed. I called it a soulless victory to my friends who I was with. Yep. And it kind of made me realize, like, it. I took a step back from it, and I realized how I acted when the game was over. 
and I think we all just need to relax for a second. We all need to take a second and and instill a little bit of optimism because everyone that I've talked to is extremely, extremely, extremely pessimistic so far about this team and where their direction is. I think we all just need to relax. <laughs> uh, Gary, a win is a win, but the thing that really bothered me was watching the reaction of those Florida State players on the mm-hmm. field going nuts over a win against UM. That was the one thing that, that bothered me. It, it's not that they – I'm glad that they care they won, but the actions of it is, is what – some of them got into it with mm-hmm. fans following, following the game. But what really made me mad was the state of the program where you're getting so excited over a, a overtime win against UOM. Yeah, I don't think the players should have reacted in that way. I was no. like, oh, okay, oh, it was yeah. it was almost <laughs> it was almost half and half. And the one thing that really stuck stuck out to me or stuck out to me was James Blackman as he was walking off the field. It, it was almost an agony. He just goes, "We gotta fix those mistakes, man." And just he was walking alone, mm-hmm. just walking back. And that's the one thing is he's the one who actually cares. He cares about – the image is on him. Mm-hmm. And I don't think he wants to see Florida State football the way it is. And for him, seeing seeing his teammates all excited about the win kind of made him disgusted. Yeah, I know, I actually noticed him from the stands. I was like, wait, is that him walking alone? Like he, was, he kind of resembled some subset of Florida State fans at that time. A lot of us, I guess you and me, at that point, it's like, did we earn that win? Like, really? <laughs> and that's the type of leadership I want, though, where mm-hmm. he is disgusted with that win in that small little corner, and there aren't very many many guys that are okay with that. And I don't want to be in that locker room, wh- what happened, what went down with Tiger, what he said, but I don't think that there's anything that he, he could have said that can change the style of play with what Florida State has right now. I wouldn't be surprised if – Blackman and maybe the other captains set up one of those players only meeting to get to get those guys fired up and to instill a little bit of energy. That that would be something interesting. One thing that stuck out to me is Kalen Laburn, not very many touches mm-hmm. again this game. I Florida State fans, don't be surprised if he doesn't stick around. Yeah. I wouldn't yeah. It's it's sad to see, honestly. He's yeah. got so much talent. I don't know why they don't where and where is he like there's got to be some carries to give away from Acres on 32. He's 36. 36, sorry. 36 yeah, I think carries. he had 41 touches overall. Spread the love. Spread the love. Okay, well, let's move on to what's going to be the next game for Florida State, and that is Florida State versus Virginia. Virginia 2-0. and They beat, is it William and Mary? Is that the team? William that, and Mary. William and Mary is the, the FCS team that they just beat. Means take it with a grain of salt once again. What really mattered was their week one victory. It was mm-hmm. an ACC I think it was an ACC non-conference game, but mm-hmm. but it's a conference opponent, yeah. correct, against Pitt? Yeah, I believe so. Uh, it, it was something like that, and they looked oh, all right in the in the first half. They uh, I, I believe they scored on a, a pump block, but were down 13-14, to 14, head into half, and then just ran Pitt out of the water, ended up winning 30-14, to, uh, to 14, shut them out in the second half. Pittsburgh has been an up-and-down team, but they are the reigning Coastal cha- uh, Division champions. So Virginia was picked, Gary, to win the Coastal, and this is going to be a big matchup for the Knolls. Yeah, they, this is, I would say this is a must-win for FSU. Not a can't-lose, but a must-win. And I think it's going to be weird to see them come into Charlottesville as an underdog because that doesn't happen. I don't know if that's ever happened in Florida State's history. I don't know either. Yeah. So Should it? 
Uh, well, it's fair this time. This time yeah, it's no, fair. that's yeah. what I'm saying. Yeah, so. exactly. No, they should be this time, but it's just an odd situation that a lot of Florida State fans and the players are in now. Jake, what do you have over here? Looking at Virginia, Virginia is is going to be a top team in the ACC. Does Florida State stand a chance? I think if we shut down Virginia's quarterback, Bryce Perkins, we do. Um, he's their leading rusher. He's the man. If, you, if you've watched Virginia play this season, he's kind of like a Lamar Jackson. He runs a lot. He can throw the ball. If our defense can get better, I think we can beat Virginia. Really? I really do, yes. He threw two interceptions in the second half of last game. I think he's beatable. I, looking at this Virginia team, I do think it's beatable, but with a Florida State team that executes correctly with the talent they have, it seems like it. Uh, there's this, there's too much dysfunction. Gabe, Virginia, Virginia didn't look too amazing against William and Mary. Is the reason why they're favored because they're at home? If they came to to Florida State, do you think that they would still be the favorite? I think if they came to Florida State, FSU would probably be a small favorite. But I think a lot of the whole, you know, Virginia being the favorite is more about how FSU has looked as opposed to how Virginia has looked because I don't think there's a whole lot of people that see a loss against Boise State and then an overtime win against ULM and think that team's going to go on the road and take a conference game. Bryce Perkins was 20 of 34, Gary, for 181 yards against Pitt. Uh, is is he is he going to be the problem for Florida State? Florida State has had trouble with those dual-threat uh, quarterbacks, and today Taggart was asked, was it good to go and face a dual threat quarterback that uh, against ULM, knowing that Bryce Perkins was coming up? It's obviously great that they faced a dual threat quarterback beforehand, but he looks to cause chaos with the defense, and he wants to create misconfu- uh, confusion and misdirections and all that with the way that they run their draws. It's a lot of more RPO style, but just sometimes it's just an option run. And he's going to take advantage of the way the defense leans every now and then. So if FSU's defense wants to contain him, they're going to have to run. I think they're going to have to play a lot more man on them. They're not. If they're going to have to leave one guy in the middle of the field for a zone on a QB spy a lot of the time, and it's going to be a lot of more contained and force him to throw rather than use his legs because his legs are his strong suit. It seems as is, he is the leading rusher as well for UVA. Yeah. Jake. Looking at the coastal, it's it's not it's not the greatest uh, the greatest division. North Carolina and Virginia are tied, leading it. If Virginia wins this game, are they going to win the coastal? And what does this mean for Florida State headed into a headed into the fourth game of the year? One and two could have been zero and three. Yeah, I think if Virginia pulls out this win, I think there's a very good possibility the way the Coastal's looking, like you said, this year, that they win the entire thing. Um, just with their dynamic quarterback and, and the league not being, the division not being that that good this year, I think uh, it, it should be wraps for them after that. Um, with Florida State losing this game, going one and two, um, things are looking good. Um, I think, obviously, coaching jobs will be in trouble. Players are going to want to get out, like we discussed earlier, and... Uh, I think FSU is going to be in a lot of trouble. Gary, going back to winning the Coastal, you don't think UNC has a chance? They've looked good, pretty darn good in their first two games, beating South Carolina and then Miami in almost walk-off fashion on Saturday night. Could be beginner's luck, Gary. Could be beginner's luck, but, but Ma- here's but the Mac thing. Brown ain't here's no the difference. <laughs> here's the difference that I've noticed between North Carolina and Florida State. They both were horrible last mm-hmm. year. Terrible. Shouldn't you couldn't even call them a football team. 
But what is the big difference that we saw? Is the players believe in Mac Brown. Mm-hmm. They really do believe in him. And yeah, you can see, especially like, and, and they, they have a quarterback. They do have a quarterback. <laughs> Former Florida State commit Sam Howell. Yeah. <laughs> and so with Mac Brown, they have that a different energy around them. Like you saw Mac Brown come in after that first win against South Carolina. He was dancing. He was having a good time. Yeah. But obviously they won, so they're going to have a great time. Gabe, energy is not something that we've seen from Willie Taggart in, in any of his interviews really around the players. Is that a sign of the times within the program? I think it is. You know, you see – you know, we, we watch the uh, offseason, the highlights all the time of practices, and, you know, they're out there dancing around, blaring music, and it, it looked like, you know, this team had some juice to it. But when you come out and you play the way they, they have to this point, it's hard to keep the energy going. And, you know, it's something you got to figure out how you're going to do it if you're going to last a you know, 12-game season. That's not easy. Well, we're going to head to the other – well, on the other side of break, I should say, uh, we'll, we'll be talking a little bit of a Florida – or, well, state of the NFL, mm-hmm. really, with uh, all three NFL teams, a little bit of college football and finishing up this Virginia talk. You're listening to WVFS Tallahassee, the voice of Florida State. This is Tomahawk Talk. All right, we're back. You're listening to Tomahawk Talk on WVFS Tallahassee. On the other side of the break, we were talking about Virginia and Florida State. Florida State looking to improve their record above 500. They're one and one right now after a loss to Boise State in a one. You could say a lucky win against Louisiana Monroe. Uh, but that being said, uh, we'll. We'll move on right now and give give a little bit of uh, our analysis on what we think the game's going to be like. Gary, what does Cam Akers have to do for Florida State to win this game? Same, almost Just about the same thing he did last week. He's going to have to control the game and dominate for FSU. They're going to have to gash the front. They're going to have to gash the front line for Virginia. And 
he's going to have to put the team on his back, I believe. I think this is going to be his game. Jake, Cam Akers? I think he needs to do exactly what he did last game. I think he needs to show the fight, and I think he needs to be a leader as long as, as along with James Blackman. Um, those are the two guys leading the team, and if they don't show the fight and the grit and the hustle and that they want this FSU program to turn around and that they're going to start with Virginia, I don't think uh, we're going to win the game. Gabe, is, does Cam Makers have to play the game of his life for Florida State to win, or is there another player that you're looking at? I think really it's going to come down to the offense as a whole, uh, a lot of that being the offensive line as well. Um, one thing that you know we're talking a lot about how well Cam Akers has played, uh, I saw earlier today that last season he was stopped at the line or behind the line of scrimmage on 39% of run plays. Right now he's at 13%, so we got to give a little bit of love to the guys up front too. It was yards after contact. I believe he had a little over 100 and something. It was like 150 yards. And then just this year, he's got over 200 yards. So he doubled it in two games. It's it's a new Cam Akers, and I'm glad to see it. Will Bryce Perkins lead Virginia in rushing and cause problems, Gary, for Florida State, knowing Florida State has struggled? We've, got, we've talked about this. FSU is going to prepare for a running quarterback this week, I think. The, sp- the QB spy will be in place. I guarantee the Q- there will be a QB spy. And FSU will stop Perkins from being the number one rusher. Jake? The first half, uh, FSU is going to shut him down, I believe. And as in the last two games that FSU has played this season, I believe Virginia is going to go into halftime, going to make a lot of adjustments. And I think Unfortunately, Florida State isn't too great in that category, and I think Perkins is going to go off in the second half. What problem, Gabe, will, will Virginia's defense pose? They've had three interceptions. That uh, Right now they're allowing, uh, looking at it, just um, uh, in 119 plays, 456 yards. That's 228 po- um, yards per game. Uh, FSU is going to have to be able to run the ball, and we have seen them – do very well with that and we have seen times where they get stuffed to the line of scrimmage repeatedly um, if they cannot find a way to run the ball guys on the outside like Bryce Hall who is an elite cornerback in this country uh, he's just going to eat alive out there and guys are not going to get any space so they, they've got to be able to run this football alright Gary it's come time prediction time here Florida State Virginia uh, <laughs> Last week, did we even give a prediction last week? No, I don't think we did. <laughs> I think we said we needed a pre- prediction against the spread. Uh, that did not go well for mm-hmm. some people. Virginia, Florida State, Gary, what's it going to look like for the people out there? Optimism is the word of the day, my friends. Optimism is the word of the week, word of the season for us. FSU will eke out a win just like they did against Louisiana Monroe. Let's go... 1916. 1916, a very odd score for Gary. Florida State winning. Uh, we got to chart Gary's picks here. It, it doesn't look like it's going to be a good <laughs> season for him. Jake. Yikes. There's a lot of optimism in that corner. Um, I think FSU can win the game, like I said earlier. However, 31 17, Virginia. No doubt about it. Gabe. I got faith in FSU this week. They've heard a whole lot of garbage from a whole lot of people. They're going to come out, take this one fairly easily. I'm going 35-24. 35-24? For, Florida State? Yes, sir. Prove the haters wrong. Guys, Absolutely. Wow. guys, come the on. Haters right. be my motivators. Oh, Let's boy. be realistic well, here, Luke. Yeah, I'm going to be Optimism. realistic. <laughs> Florida State against Virginia is not going to be pretty. 
the defense for Virginia is good. Florida State hasn't <laughs> necessarily played a, a very good defense. That's why I said 19 points. <laughs> uh, I see Florida State. I'm going to be generous here and say they're going to give Florida State a garbage touchdown. We'll go 17 to 35. Or 35-17, Virginia just throttles on Florida State. It's uh, Florida State's going to score a couple in the second half, but it's not going to be pretty. Florida State is not a good team. And really, at this stage in the game, you, you got to hope that something changes within that culture, and I don't think it's going to happen, Gary. Will you riot if the Knolls lose in Charlottesville? Will I what? Will you riot if the Knolls lose in Charlottesville? Riot? Riot. No. no? Okay. <laughs> I'm not going to riot because I know <laughs> it's going to happen. <laughs> you don't riot. But okay. Either I'm way. Just, yeah, okay. <laughs> either way, moving on, Florida, uh, Florida State not looking great. Neither are any of the teams in the state of Florida. Let's start with the Jacksonville Jaguars. Nick Foles uh, struggled on his first drive. Second drive led the Jaguars down for a touchdown. Uh, a deep pass over to uh, Chark. DJ Chark, mm-hmm. I believe, uh, was the guy. And lo and behold, that cost the it cost the Jags a very valuable player. He went out with a clap, a broken clavicle, mm-hmm. which is essentially a broken collarbone. Pretty much. And kind of ironically, so did uh, uh, Wentz. No, no, no. no. Uh, for for the Kansas City, it was Hill. Oh yeah, Tyreek. Yeah, Tyreek Hill. He he went out with a, a hurt clavicle as well. Gary. Is this Gardner Minshew looked pretty good? He yeah. looked pretty darn good. Yeah, twenty-two for twenty-five. What else? What uh, was that eighty-eight percent? Yeah, eighty or seventy-nine. Or that's a QBR. Sorry, but yeah, he's two hundred seventy-five yards, two touchdowns, and a pick against the Chiefs. And in news today, the the Jaguars traded for Josh Dobbs from the Steelers. That's going to be very very interesting. Do you ride it with Gardner Minshew, who showed something in a game that was, you know, lost? Patrick Mahomes just tore up. Go to read off what Patrick Holmes' day was. 25 for 33, 378 yards, three touchdowns, zero picks. Should have been four touchdowns with that. Yeah. Kelsey won, but yeah, whatever. He he uh he had over 200 yards passing in the first quarter, Gary. It's just rid- I wasn't able to watch the first quarter, but it, he just looks ridiculous. Jake, the the Jaguars are worse after Andrew Luck retired. Many were picking them to win the division. Now with Nick Foles out, Gardner Minshew most likely going to take over the reins here. That or Josh Dobbs. Are the Jaguars going to have any chance of making the the playoffs? They made they made the playoffs. Even made it to the AFC Championship with Blake Bortles. I don't think it happens again. No way. Gardner Minshew did look good. However, I think someone else is going to win that division with injuries and Nick Foles not leading the team anymore, like he did for the Eagles. Um, it's it's not looking good. Gabe? The Jags can pound the rock. That's what they've done for a few years now. They pound the rock. They play good defense. And as long as Minshew's just smart with the ball, doesn't turn it over, the de- the division still isn't any good. But the J- the Jags yeah. only had 66 yards with Fournette, the 81 yards total rushing. And they well, had 275. They, well, they, they, they had 275 points, with, though. They did give up 40 points. They scored 26 points, Gary. you got to look at Cam Robinson, the left mm-hmm. tackle yeah. for, for the Jags, was out. Um, he's still trying to recover from that ACL injury he had last year. It, the Jags are a talented team on defense, but it did not look that way. Miles Jack got beat in coverage mm-hmm. twice. Deshaun Gibson, whore, he just doesn't look good. They they really need to to re, like look at their options and see who they can go and put in. But the secondary, which usually is 
what Florida State is no or excuse me, what the Jaguars are known for. <laughs> Too much Florida State talk here. AJ AJ Boye did not look good as a cornerback. The Jaguars are in trouble, guys. And the over under was set at eight wins. And this could be another season. The defensive line looks great. Don't get me wrong. Josh Allen looks great. Mm-hmm. Unique Ngakwe looks great. The problem is the whole team has to come together. And if you don't have a quarterback, which the Jags now don't, at least for six weeks, maybe out for the entire season, it could be another year where they only win five or six games or at the bottom of the draft. Then they can they haven't re-signed Jalen Ramsey. Jalen Ramsey can go and say, I, I don't like where, where it's looking here. I'll go to the Tennessee Titans. I'll go to the Houston. I'll go to the, the rival Houston Texans. Jaguars are in trouble. Are you sure you're not just overreacting because they did play the Kansas City Chiefs, the best offense in football right now? So I think you just need to take a step back and just relax for a second. Are, for real? For real. <laughs> for real, dog. <laughs> okay. Okay. Well, let's let's move on to San Francisco versus the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. That was not a pre-show as well. Uh, this time, though, it wasn't because of an injury. It was just because Jameis Winston, former Florida State quarterback, was at the helm. And in his it's his fifth year in the NFL, he has taken another step back. 20 of 36, 194 yards, one touchdown, and three interceptions. And some of those interceptions were bad, guys. Really, really bad. He did not look great. Was it? Two pick sixes, Gary? Two. That's not one, but two. <laughs> and and that was at the end of the game. The second one came at the end of the game when they're driving uh, just over two minutes to go. Jameis Winston, at this point in his career, the Bucks have nothing. They don't know what to do with him. Why? Why? What is the problem with Jameis? I don't know. I, we get asked this every year with him because he does the same exact thing. He does these. He does has these three interception games, two pick sixes. And it just keeps happening. There's no answer. Bruce, we thought Bruce Arians could possibly be the answer for Jameis and for this Bucks team, and it just—it's not there right now. That's a, this is a team where I would say maybe I would start to worry. Really? Yeah. Jake. Well, it, especially if you look back, they they skipped over Derwin James mm-hmm. and got Vita Vea, and he's been injured yep. every single moment of his of his career. Jake, is is Jameis Winston? Just another is he another Blake Bortles? Whoa, or, whoa, 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 whoa! <laughs> <laughs> That's going pretty far. Is it going far though? Think about it. I, Bortles made the playoffs. <laughs> As oh, you're saying that's that's oh. harmful to I'm Bortles? I'm yes, it's a, that's a that's a mm, that's disrespectful to Blake Bortles. <laughs> that's your former quarterback you're talking about. Oh I will defend Blake Bortles here because no one else is willing to. But the boat, <laughs> yeah, the boat. Don't do that. He's not Blake Bortles. I can tell you that for a fact. That's fair. That's Jake, fair. Jake, l- l- let's hear your opinion. Though. I don't want him as my starting QB if I'm a fan of an NFL team. He's gotten too many chances, and I think it's, it's time to bounce. Why? Why? What is, what, what's the one problem that, that you see with him? He's way too inconsistent. Every year people think, oh, this is James's bounce-back year. Oh, he's going to do well. Buccaneers fans are always so hopeful. Being a Saints fan, I hear it every single year, and he doesn't perform well. Um he doesn't have chemistry with his receivers, obviously. And, and like I said, I don't want to miss my starting quarterback. Gabe, what is the problem with the Tampa Bay Buccaneers organization? Uh, well, besides not being willing to move on from Tampa, or from uh, Jameis Winston, I just don't think they've, they've done enough defensively to make that team good. You know, you look at the offense, there's a lot of weapons there. Jameis Winston, if he could figure things out, and then running the ball, you have Ronald Jones, 
receivers Chris Godwin and Mike Evans, and then O.J. Howard is a really good tight end. But defensively, you just don't see the same amount of moves being made. O.J. Howard's supposed to be a good tight end. He hasn't exactly produced too much for the, for the Bucks. Really, the only player who's worth anything, Mike Evans. And right. Mike Evans is is wasting his career Absolutely. with the Bucks. That's a player that I wouldn't be surprised in the next year says, give me a, give me one of the franchise quarterback. Don't draft one. Give me one. I was going to say, when, going. Is he re- when is he request to get traded? I, that, I, that's an option, too. That, that's what I said. Or he's gone. Oh, yeah. Um, but let's let's hop over to the uh, for to the four Niners for a second. And was it a little bit interesting that Jimmy Garoppolo got that huge deal, went down with the knee injury, and Jimmy Garoppolo in preseason looked bad. His first pass was 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 it returned to the house or was it just an interception? I can't remember. It was an interception for sure. I just don't. I think it may have been a pick six. But Jimmy Garoppolo, eighteen of twenty seven, hundred sixty six yards, one touchdown, an interception. He does not look good. Yeah, it, and the Forty ers should be. If you're a 49ers fan, you you got to be worrying at this point. Well, he should have had two touchdowns to Kittle yesterday, but they both got called back on uh, whole I believe holding calls. But yeah, it's weird. They just couldn't get anything going. Like they or they, I mean, they did get it going, but still, it just felt like they were stagnant at times. And for Kyle Shanahan, who was a guy who's an offensive genius with, with the Falcons, and they did play extremely well when he was with the Falcons, it just felt slow. It's too early to say that. Jimmy G's still shaking off the rust. He had an injury. He's coming back. It's week one. Shaking off the nerves. I think it's it's way too early to to blow off the 49ers. Just seems like maybe New England's got a decent system out there that seems to make guys look really good, <laughs> yep. even though they may not actually be. That's a, that's a very interesting take. Can you go a little bit more in depth? Uh, this is uh, so Jimmy Garoppolo, but more looking at the Patriots kind of machine here. You've got... Jacoby Brissett looked very good for them. Matt Castle won 11-5 and with them. So it's really not surprising to see a guy get moved to a new system, to a new team, and struggle the way Jimmy Garoppolo has. Tom Brady's a system quarterback. That's what According he's saying. Gabe. That is exactly and what I'm saying. And I agree with Gabe. No. 100% what you, I'm saying. Do you follow Sports Talk Barry on Twitter? Uh, perhaps. <laughs> Which one? He's gotten deleted a couple times. He just got a new it's one. A struggle. Put yeah, Tom Brady on the it. Dolphins, and he doesn't do this. That's 100%. <laughs> that uh, is a fact. I think, I think put anyone on the Dolphins, and no one's going to be able to do anything. And speaking of the Dolphins, let's great segue here, Gary. I yep. love it. Let's move on to the Ravens and Dolphins. And the Dolphins just made Lamar Jackson look like a top-five quarterback. Gary, is Lamar Jackson a top-five quarterback? <laughs> He's good. He's he's not just a running back. He's not just a running back. <laughs> what was that quote? Who, where'd you get that quote from him? From Lamar Jackson himself, I believe he said, yeah. "Pretty good day for a running back." Somewhere yes, along those did. lines. So he just looked stellar, and the Dolphins just looked awful. And but hey, upside, Ryan Fitzpatrick threw a touchdown. That means he's thrown a touchdown for eight different NFL franchises. That's a was I believe that's a quarter of the league. Oh, if I, my math is right, Goat. he's also threw thrown a pick for eight teams as well. With the pick that he I had. would say it's a fifth of the league. Fifth of, okay, I can't yeah. do math. Math yeah. ain't my strong suit, but yeah. Er, well, no, it's not mine either. Yeah, no, it, is a a okay. yeah. it is a quarter. Yeah, see, I was right. Yeah. <laughs> there we go. That's tr- that's tough. I haven't taken math in three Ooh. years. Uh, sp- speaking of of tough play, Robert mm. Griffin the third, six of six, fifty-five yards, one touchdown, and one baby. Yeah, he is. His wife gave birth. Uh, I I believe his wife is a former Florida State athlete, track track star. I believe. Uh, yeah. I don't know about I think star, she but threw, track. I think she threw um, the, not javelin? the javelin or ja- something okay. like that. But yeah, Robert Griffin had a heck of a day. Yeah, no pressure, no diamonds. 
Jake, Lamar Jackson, is is he the real deal now? Is I I for one thought he was going to succeed in the NFL. You need to you need to work on your throwing mechanics, but with that type of talent, it just takes a little bit of time. He's the real deal. He reminds me of Michael Vick. And just talking about this yesterday with some guys, Drew Brees is going to be soon out the door. Tom Brady's soon out the door. Peyton Manning's already out the door. And we're we're trying to think of who's who's the future of the NFL for quarterbacks. Obviously, Patrick Mahomes and Lamar Jackson is starting to come into the conversation. And when you talk about those teams, they always have one guy to bounce off of them. Tom Brady hasn't necessarily had that top guy, but he did with Randy Moss. Drew Brees, Michael Thomas, you could even say Colson at, at one point was a top wide receiver. Right. You look at Lamar Jackson, he has Hollywood Brown, and Hollywood Brown is a clone of Deshaun Jackson. He had an unbelievable day. Four receptions, 147 yards, uh, two touchdowns. For these two players, this was a homecoming. The Dolphins were their team growing up. They're from South Florida, and they showed out. Gabe, looking at looking at the Ravens and looking at the Dolphins, where is the difference? Because the Ravens were bad, and now they're all of a sudden are, are one of the better teams in the NFL. Does this give Dolphins fans hope or just disgust knowing that teams are hopping them who started later? I think it's got to be frustrating for Dolphins fans. You know, this is, uh, like you said, the rosters really aren't that far apart as far as just pure talent-wise. There are two teams that not long ago were just beginning their rebuild, maybe even the Ravens more recently. And like you said, they're, they're jumping them, so it's really not – it's got to be frustrating as a Dolphins fan. Gabe, it's not only maddening, it's fr- – it's not only – sorry, it's not only frustrating, but it's maddening to see what the Dolphins have missed out on because they consistently – Hang in at the six and ten to nine or to whatever they Eight just wins, yeah it's always five hundred they always hang around five hundred, and they never get better and they never get truly worse than six and ten it's always six and ten is like the floor for this team and it's just it's just so much to watch where it's just like I just want to run through my TV. <laughs> Let's talk about the Dolphins exclusively for a second. They are not good. Josh yeah. Rosen got a little bit of time. At what point and they traded away Laramie Tunsil. Uh, just just the other just the other day, really, for first round draft picks and Kenny and, Stills, um, and Kenny Stills, of course. Yeah, it, I think that was more of a um, owner decision. Yeah, I w- after he was bashed, um, not surprising that that happened. But <laughs> look at look at what they did with rushing. The leading rusher for for the for the Dolphins had four carries, mm-hmm. twelve yards. Kenyon Drake, <laughs> are you kidding me? Not kidding, Gary. This what? is twelve. This is 12, 12 carries for your running back core. His longest, the entire his longest game. run was nine yeah. yards. One of them went to Ryan Fitzpatrick. Gary, what were your expectations carries. for the Dolphins going into the season, and how have they like changed since week one? They were low. They were. I think I was. I think I had them set around like three wins, maybe four if we're lucky. But I, I wanted this team to. I don't want to be eight and eight anymore. I just would rather be tanking for draft picks. And the expect the possibility of getting better in the future, then rather than just like, well, is this the year we like make that push and we like get to the ten wins and we like get lose to the Steelers in the first round of the playoffs, like Matt Moore got his head taken off that one year. Gary, here's the the problem with the Dolphins is they're never truly horrible, and this year yes. they are. Yes, they need to have back to back years. They need to have some Cleveland Brown years where and it the Browns didn't look too good their opening day. That's their fifteenth straight opening day loss, but the Dolphins are in trouble. 
and <laughs> that's fine. That should be fine as yeah. a fan base. It stinks that Miami has so many terrible teams with the Heat. You add the yeah. Dolphins and the Panthers. Throw in the Panthers are getting good. Yeah, the Panthers are getting good. We're gonna talk hockey now because the, the Marlins as well. well I, yeah, you well. didn't you didn't hate when I called the Heat horrible. Uh, the Heat are just. Uh, I'm not okay. a huge basketball fan. She's okay. okay. taking them back. Okay. Yeah. 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 Well, guys, enough of the Dolphins talk. We've gone through the state of Florida. What team, if you can pick a team to latch on to for the next two years to make the playoffs and maybe make a run in the playoffs, who would it be and why? Gary. Tennessee Titans. Mike Vrabel's willing to Well, I said in the state of Florida, Gary. Oh, in the state of Florida. Oh, I just want to get out of the state of Florida. You can go with the Tennessee Titans. You can go with the Tennessee Tennessee Titans. (laughs) Okay. Yeah, Mike Vrabel's willing to do some stuff for a Super Bowl, so uh, that's a guy I want to follow. (laughs) The Jaguars. They the Dolphins just look horrible, and I don't think the Buccaneers are going to get rid of Winston anytime soon. So <laughs> Florida's only hope is the Jaguars. Jags seem to have the most pieces in place, so I would roll with them. I got to say the Jaguars, but I wouldn't be surprised if next year their team blows up. Uh, J- yeah, if I think Jalen's gone. I, I, think, I, I do think, as well. I think he might be coming to my Tennessee Titans. <laughs> yeah, we'll see about that. Well, let's let's switch gears here, and we're going to move to a saga that we've covered multiple times, and that is Antonio Brown. I know we waited till the very end of the show for this one, but Antonio Brown is a Patriot. What? Yes, that is true. I, I we had talked about it on last last week's show. Stuff had changed over. My mouth dropped in the press box when I when I got the news. It was right about game time, just after about five oh five. You just hear Antonio Brown signed with the Patriots, and every single person said, "See, told you, see, told you." And mm-hmm. I agree. Josh Gordon, Antonio Brown, Rob Gronkowski at the end of the year when he no, comes back because no, you know no. he's coming don't, back. Don't let that happen. You know he's coming. Don't, back. I don't want that to happen. Gary. Is Antonio Brown going to be a success or a cancer? I think he's going to be fine there. I think he's going to do he's going to do his job. He's going to. I think Belichick. I I don't know what Belichick does to these guys. I don't know how he does it, but every time one of these guys comes in, he takes care of it pretty well. Except, I mean, Josh, um, with the exception of Josh Gordon and his can't issues, help that. That's yeah. yeah. That's not Belichick's forte, but it's yeah. He does his job. Jake, looking at Antonio Brown and Bill Belichick, they both had mutual interest for each other. The Steelers were not going to trade him to a division rival. He went over to Oakland and essentially engineered this buyout it, on purpose. You, you, you would it, he, he released the video. What are your thoughts on the video? And will Antonio Brown help help out this team where they could be a Randy Moss type sixteen and O team to, in the regular season? I think Antonio Brown this offseason has gained the NFL a ton of ratings. I know he's had issues with his helmet with the NFL, but the drama that surrounded him, that's been the entire NFL offseason, preseason, and even looking into week one. That video just added more fire to the to the pit. And I just think he's not going to get as many touches as he likes. In New England, they already have Julian Edelman, Josh Gordon, a lot of other receiving cores that Tom Brady has known for a long time. And I don't think Antonio Brown sticks along, uh, sticks there for a long time. However, he's going to be there this year, and he's going to help them get better. KB signed a one-year, nine million dollar deal up to, or nine million dollar signing bonus up to fifteen million a year. I think can even be into the twenties with incentives and everything. Was this the right move for the Patriots? Antonio Brown, overall, what is your opinion of him and what he did with the Raiders and that that entire saga that happened over the last month? 
I just thought the whole like saga itself was kind of a joke. I mean, if you didn't want to be in Oakland, just say it. No one was buying the helmet issues or anything like that. Just say you wanted to get out of there and do it. He hired a social media team to figure out how to get released. And then he went and he went and posted the, the picture, and that didn't get him a release. Then he apologized, then posts the video, and finally figure, figures it out. Why? I have no answer to that because you see guys all the time just say, hey, I don't want to be here. Trade me. Why didn't you say that months ago? What was the point of signing along for that $30 million guaranteed? Hard knocks. <laughs> Brown wants the attention. He loves the attention. And hard knocks gives him the attention. Exactly. I'll never forget, it was about two years ago when I when I said, why can't Odell Beckham Jr. be like Antonio Brown? He never has <laughs> any problems. <laughs> Vontez Perfect then got a hold of his head. I'm telling you, as soon as I said that, the script flipped, and I, I regret it to this day. Let's let's finish up this show here. We're we're winding down, winding down. Florida State did beat uh, Florida in women's soccer. What was it? Two to one. Two one. Uh, two to one. Uh, and then they uh, and then they smoked Stanford six nothing on Sunday. Yeah, so uh, big one, weekend. One of the big things in that game, Gary, was it, it was Bollinger who came in mm-hmm. um, for Caroline Jeffers after a red card, and it was her first time playing since the ACC tournament when yep. she got hurt. And to make that save, how big was that for her personally, knowing? Her job got. She's young, but her job got taken away, and for that to happen is, was was it fulfilling? Yeah, it proves that she's still here. She can still play, and she and that injury isn't affecting her that much, or from what was in last season. I I still think, in, in my opinion, you still roll with Caroline Jeffers. Yeah, I think you still roll with her until something else big happens. But you know, you can rotate yeah. her in, and it'd be it'd be great. Yeah, exactly. And that save that save was huge, and the crowd was electric that night. All right, guys, I'm going to give you each uh, team that impressed you this weekend uh, and give me your thoughts on the LSU-Texas game. Jake, is uh, w- what did you think of Joe Burrow? He grinded it out. He didn't quit, and it was a battle. You see they put, LSU put up 45, Texas put up 38. It was a back-and-forth game, and Joe Burrow performed well and got his team to win. Gabe, should LSU be the in, in the top – in the top two in the country. They're four right now. I don't think you can quite say they're better than either Alabama or Clemson at this point, but I wouldn't be surprised for them to end up there. Gary, LSU, what what do you got for them? Th- this is your team now. Go Tiger. <laughs> <laughs> oh, boy. Well, I, I got I to gotta throw out my little UCF shout-out, I got to say. Uh, UCF no. did beat Gary's team, the FAU. It was 48-14. to 14. It was more of a margin of victory and more points than the Ohio State game. Going to throw it out. Uh, I I was impressed by my nights, and we'll we'll see where the season goes. But uh, it's going to be it's going to be a good year. That's one team in the state of Florida, other than Florida, that look look great this year. So that's about all we have here uh, for this show, this Tomahawk Top episode. Uh, over to my right, we'd like to thank Jake Moss and Gabe Wisniewski. Gary Putnick, of course, Christian Chavez over there on the Twitter, and Alex Krutchik over there in the booth. We forgot to get your seminal segment in, but we will next time. I'm Luke Fay. I'm your host of Tomahawk Talk. That's all we got today. You're listening to WVFS Tallahassee, the voice of Florida State. New release is up next. 